afternoon everybody and welcome to our first inaugural bin talk um, where we've reversed the roles and I've taken over the dumpster to talk to the guys at Sard Metal. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Thanks guys for having me. Yep, thank you. Um, thank you. Well obviously I'm only joking, it's obviously the dumpster talk, but um, yeah, excited to be here in, in person. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, I guess to kick us off, I just ask everyone how they're doing and what you guys have been up to today. Well, today's been today's really been a good day. As you see we have Amy with us, she has her high biz, she's part of the team. Quite stylish. But yeah, so um, we've been showing Amy around the yard. Amy, um, she works for Fast Markets, so she re uh, reports the price of steel every month. That's kind of how we, we got introduced. We met in Vegas at Isri, and you've helped us a lot since then, so. Well, it's very kind of you to say that, Alex, actually. To be honest, um, when most people hear the word Fast Markets, I think they get a cold shiver down their spine. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I guess, like, obviously, thank you for having me in person in the dumpster. And lovely for me to be here and see what you guys do um, from day to day. But I guess yeah. to flip the tables and ask you guys a few questions, I'd be really interested to see, obviously you know that we're responsible for pricing the export and domestic uh, ferrous scrap markets. That's what I do from day to day. So I'd be really interested to know how you guys utilize our pricing yeah. in what you do on a daily basis yeah. that's something that you can shed some light on well, we can talk about oh sorry no, no you're good so as todd knows a lot about like he goes out and does sales stuff and he tells people about we offer formula pricing so pretty much there's like a well you can talk about it there's like um we get your price and then like a certain customer might get 89 percent of the, the AMM report or whatever it is. So. so they're pretty much guaranteed. So with the formula pricing, all of our industrial customers get uh, a, a seat with what the price is of the month and you get the same percentage every month. So say it's like 80%, you're guaranteed that same percentage of the price that you guys give out every month. Okay. Yeah. And so would you say, I, I guess the benefits, because um, obviously there are negatives and there are positives to being tied to index pricing. Yeah. We hear that all the time. From a customer's perspective, would you say that that gives them an ad? Because, you know, on a percentage terms, 80% of a guaranteed price is, is you know, that's, yep. a, that's significant. Do, do you find that customers are generally happy with the stability that that offers them in their pricing? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I've noticed that it just makes them feel a lot more comfortable when they're um, getting ready to sell their metal. Because, like, say it's really low this month, um, they'll know whether, like, or they'll have an idea whether it's going to go up or down the next month so they can mm -hmm. just based on where it's at. Okay, so it's a, it's a useful hedging tool, yeah. which must be interesting because the ferrous scrap market in particular um, is one of the least regulated uh, commodities. And it's yeah. one of the last sort of unregulated commodities that, that is really traded. Um, would you say that you know, the pricing offers a greater transparency, but using like a PRA price gives people more transparency and offers them a bit of stability in a particularly volatile market. Yeah, I think, like, I think we've noticed, like, some customers do obviously take a look at it, but a lot of them don't really, I don't know, a lot of them, they kind of just have to, like, our big selling point is that we can get the scrap out of their facilities quick. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times they're not really even, don't really care too much about the price sure. but it's definitely a big thing for us in our world for sure like selling scrap and when we're going to sell out loads 
or like when we realize we have to buy more and keep, keep it back in the yard, mm-hmm. wait for an uptick or whatever. Um, yeah, I think it definitely it definitely plays a big big factor for us. A lot of people don't even really know like how to even find like the prices of metal at the time. So one thing like for sure I know um, all of us have went out and really just showed customers like ways that they can find out what the prices of the metal is. Because like even scrapyards, you have to go into the scrapyard to see it posted up on their wall. But we have it up on our website and everything. So it's just it makes them feel more comfortable at the end of the day. So that's what we want. But no, I think um, like. Like your world is really like there's so many different mar- like I guess we're we're based off the Philadelphia market usually yeah um, it's like very confusing because there's so many different markets and so many different types of scrap like it's really it's a lot of stuff a lot of information for sure it's cool to, it's cool to learn for sure yeah. and what kind of mood do you end up buying or a selling mood at the moment um, definitely well, we just we sold a, we did sell out a bunch of woods lately but. We're more trying to buy more because the price has been down so much this year, mm-hmm. for sure. And and you, I mean, I think the writing is on the wall for the, the market going out in 2022 and into 2023. I mean, domestically, we've had seven months of consecutive decline in prices, yeah. which has been really hard to swallow, and it is, you know, it's, hasn't been pleasant for anyone. But I wonder if you, know, if you guys have got any prognoses for what you see mm. um, for pricing over the next few months? Oh, no. no I'm, I, I think it's just going to keep going down a little bit because mm-hmm. um, it was so high at a point, like last year it was so high. And I remember we were at the beach this year and we just noticed like how quick oh, throughout the week copper just dropped. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. It's just crazy to, to see. I think it's going to keep going down a little bit. Are there any things that you particularly fancy at the moment? I mean, I know you've got a huge stainless pile. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you guys are presumably holding. Yeah. Um, copper. No yeah, prizes like, for guessing why. I like keeping yeah. up with the copper um, a lot because, like, um, we we check the U.S. dollar index a lot. So, yeah. Uh, that's like uh, a little over 113 right now. Which Every time that crazy. goes up, copper just goes right down. So yeah. I just think it's cool. Um, I didn't even know what the U.S. dollar index was before working here. So um, yeah, seeing how that every day. yeah, seeing how that affects um, the metals, which metals like. Our world, like you said, so, yeah. So, you fancy copper, Alex? I would say, I like the stainless. Um, uh-huh. We talk a lot, like Dan talks a lot with us about how, um, like nickel is going to yes. be a big play in, in the, um, like the electric vehicles. Yeah. yeah. So Isaiah, Isaiah was really into, there was a company, Lucid, Lucid Air. There is a company. But yeah. <laughs> they're still there. not over yet. <laughs> they're still there, it's just their stock price went way down. But. Uh-huh. They're they're coming up. Tesla, obviously Elon Musk. Um, like a lot of people, we're really positive in copper, so optimistic, I would say. So that's why we have that big pot. Yeah, no, I mean, it's huge. It's absolutely enormous. Yeah. I can There's say. trees growing over it. So I know, amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing stuff. But uh, Gil, have you got anything that you've got an eye on? Probably the stainless piles. I like the different like how there's different like chemistry and different stainless. Yeah. yeah, chemistry definitely wasn't it. I had chemistry with Alex, and I know we both really didn't enjoy it. So, of course, um, now we're working with it every day, yeah. which we've definitely gotten better with it, I feel like. Yeah. We just, I personally, like, when I was in chemistry class, I never thought, I just thought it was like, I knew I didn't want to work in that field or anything, so I thought it was worthless, but it, it really can <laughs> pertain, to, uh, pertain to what you do, so. Yeah. So you get to see it in, in action. Yeah, for no, sure. that's very interesting. So obviously we've had the things that you've got your eye on. Obviously
obviously are in Mrs. Ferris, but they're non-ferrous metals. So we're talking about copper and nickel. How much of an eye do you guys keep on the LME and the activity on the LME in terms of the prices? Because obviously you'll be presumably trading yeah. material that has a base metals component as a, as a percentage of those prices. So yeah. How much of an eye do you keep on? So you met there? you met Shelby up front. I did. She has she has the LME like the metal exchange. Um, yeah. She has that website up at all times, pretty much. Just every morning. We kind of come in and talk about it, see where everything is every day. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely a big part, big play for sure. So, obviously, I met Shelby earlier at the scale, lovely lady. So, she's the first person you see when you walk past the door yeah. and walk through the door. And a very nice door it is in the morning. So, I hope you don't mind. But once you're through the door, uh, bright and early, as I've been told, what happens then? What's a typical day like for you guys? Always different. Always, always different. different. It's, never, it's never the same thing. There's always a bunch of, like, Dan will usually send us out a video or have Alex um, text us all in a group chat. Just um, show us, like, what needs done for the day. Basically, like, there's different piles around the yard that need picked up or sorted through. Um, a lot of the time, like today, we came in and got the torching done. Uh -huh. uh, but now there's more torching, so after this, we're going to have to go finish up the torching. Just a quick from you earlier that the torching never ends. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll never end, which is good that we're happy about it. Um, yeah. It's better, we're more on top of it now, which, which makes it nice for all of us. Yeah. For sure. And plus, torching is our money maker, so definitely yeah. something that we got to get done. The foundry scrap, yep. Yeah. We know what we're torching for. Like, when we started, we just were torching metal and didn't really know why. But now that we know why we're doing it, it makes it like we have a purpose now. Well, can you talk me through why you're torching for those at home that maybe don't know? Yeah, so um, from our industrial customers, we get skeleton plate in. Mm -hmm. And um, we have two major foundries, Anvil and Donsco, um, within two miles of us, which is a big blessing. Uh, we get the um, skeleton plate in and we torch it down within um, 18 and 24 spec yeah. um, inches. So we torch it down so it'll be able to fit into their melting pots. Okay. And we just send it over whenever we want, I'm pretty sure, and yeah. um, they melt it down and do what they do with it. And how, how far do you have to send your material? Are you selling it quite locally? Well, yeah, so Foundry Scrap, uh, two blocks up the road is Anvil, and then right across the bridge, um, like the bridge we drove over the Susquehanna River, yeah. across there is um, Donska. So, I mean, you guys are in a great position that you've yep. got your... We're lucky, um, for sure. Your very freight is another yeah, thing yeah. that is absolutely um, crazy. People, rail cars, you know, people that are trying to ship things um, in huge, uh, huge distances are having a terrible time of it because yeah. it's just been great available. I suppose, yeah. do, you, do you ever have a concern of sending metal further than those suppliers, uh, yeah. or are you strictly... Local. So we also sell to the mills that uh -huh. are like um, usually that's two hour round trip. Yeah. So that's really as far as we go unless unless someone sends a box truck to us. Okay. Like we have some loads that go out, they send a truck to us and then yeah. So we have to sometimes we'll like split the freight with them or whatever it is, sure. work out some type of deal. So you guys haven't had any knock on effects from the logistical issues so far. Um, we've had a couple times where trucks could like. People couldn't get trucks to us, like uh -huh. they thought it was coming in on Monday and it never got here till like Wednesday or something. Sure. But yeah. Well I'm <laughs> glad for you guys that it yeah. hasn't been, been too much of a problem. There's so, lots of uh, lots of noise from the builders and making lots of noise out there. Well I suppose that's a good thing, isn't it? Because although yeah. it might cause us a few production issues, if there's noise for construction, then it means there's demand 
the material yep. to go into those projects. It's good. So, it's uh, yeah, it's all good. I mean, in tech, we've heard some interesting things from construction in other countries um, that's having a knock-on effect for the market in the US because we hear that exporters are going to be sending more and more material um, to India, for example, uh, and China. We've heard rumours of some export going on there. I mean, what yeah. do you guys think about forward-looking demand and the dynamics for the US domestic hmm. scrap market? So, I would say, like, we haven't really got into, like, since we started working, like, over the past two years, we haven't really done much exporting at all. Sure. But, um, yeah, I'm not too sure. I know the biggest thing we do is motors. Like, we'll export motors. Um, and where do you send your motors typically? I think, I think Dan, the last one he did was to, honestly, I don't even know. I'd have to check with no, him. No, that's no, fine. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot. No, it's so okay. It's genuine right. curiosity there. <laughs> Yeah. But if you guys had to pick one favorite thing to do around the yard, like who likes what best? We know that you obviously a torching fanatic. Has uh, anyone else got something they really love doing? I like, I like, you haven't met Mikey yet, but um, I just like talking with Mikey. I, I think that's pretty, pretty funny here. Fun thing to do. Yeah, I'd say just the people coming in, talking and meeting new people. I met a guy from Germany the other day. Yeah. And we had a good conversation. It's just, yeah, you never know who you're gonna be. Mm -hmm. People are definitely the, the coolest. The highlight. Like we have like we we have an awesome team here, but we also have like awesome people that come off the street every day, pretty much. Like there's a lot of residents that come. In. What would you guys say? Because I think you guys have got a fantastic thing going on in the sense that you're all bright young men. Um, you're all very active in the scrap industry. I mean, I know you're doing great things at the yard, but you've also, you're doing the dumpster talks. Um, you're going out and engaging with people in the market. Like you've been to multiple conferences and events, which is fantastic. Yeah. I think from people that I've spoken to, they say that there's a difficulty in attracting young talent yeah. into the scrap industry. There's a there's misconception, and I don't know where it's come from, that scrap isn't sexy, which as you can see from the contents of this dumpster, yeah. simply isn't true. So if you were going to you know, give some advice as a young person in the scrap business, what would be the thing that you would tell someone to maybe get them to consider a career in scrap? Yeah, I would say like, like what we try to promote on our like on our LinkedIn and just all different social media is like like it still can be a fun job and like especially if you build a team with young guys that you're really close with and like like we all hang out together outside of work every day so it kind of like we have some hard days in the yard or whatever there's stuff we don't really like to do but sure. when you have a good team with you like it can be a fun it can be a fun thing you can make it fun in many different ways yeah. so yeah and also like. Like at the, so I was at the Isri oyster thing last night, the oyster mm -hmm. roast, and like, honestly, like the people in this industry are like the best people ever, really. I, I've definitely noticed that, so that's yeah. one thing I would say. The people are a lot of fun. No, yeah. I, would, I would agree with that. Does anyone else? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I feel like the working in a scrapyard could be like a definite turn off to a lot of people. Um, growing up, I didn't think I would be working in a scrapyard, but I think just like, being young and keeping your options open, um, do whatever just makes you happy or whatever makes you feel right. Um, that's that's what I would say, honestly. It so, feels good. I mean, I think we all love love what we do here, and it just feels right. Yeah. So. Can't you don't knock until you try it, really. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's such a big like industry. It's so there's so many different routes that it can 
be taken. That is very like, true. When, we, when I first started, I thought uh, it was just a job, but now it's like a life, a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. It's, uh, I love that. This, this could be lo looked at as like a dead-end job, kind of, for a lot yeah. of people, or it used yeah. to be, but now, like, I mean, a lot of people wouldn't think that we would know what, like, the U.S. dollar index was, yeah. or know a lot of the stuff we talk about, but um, that's, like, our industry, that's, that's what we do. Yeah, we have to start somewhere, right? Nobody's yeah. born knowing what the dollar index is. So, no, that's all very interesting stuff. And as Isaiah, you pointed out, which is an excellent point, that there are so many avenues that one can go down once you're in this industry. Yeah, it's it's, it's mind-boggling. Have it's any of you guys given thought to what you might want to do or if there are any channels that you might want to take? Or, although you, you guys pretty much do a little bit of everything here, which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Right now, like... Um, I'm just really into like we're running the operation. We all are just we're really all hands on, and we all get to do so many different parts of the business. So right now, I think I'm just focused on growing the business and growing with the business, whatever it can, well, whatever it turns into. Growth is an excellent word because I know you guys are in a growth mindset. Yeah. Tell me a bit about your growth mindset. Oh, so we there was like a, a conference that Dan went to, and he wanted everyone to listen to like a part of it, mm -hmm. and. I'm not. I think I had the. I think I actually had the the session about like growth mindset versus fixed mindset, and it kind of became one of our like. It's not on our on our wall of core values or whatever, but it's something that we all like think about a lot. Like um, just always being willing to learn. Like even though we're like we're still young, but even Dan says to us every day like he's still learning stuff every day. So just being in a growth mindset and just always being willing to yeah grow learn, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you're not good at something, it's, it's not, I'm not good at it, I'm not good at it yet. Very good. Yeah. There's always room to go. Sure. For sure. Don't get comfortable. It's just one of the, like, we've learned many lessons kind of working here for sure. Just being, that's one of the big things though, what you just said. Uh, being, like I remember, like first coming in here and I thought this was going to be like horrible. And, like. When I first started, I, f I was kind of uncomfortable doing the things that I was doing. But I feel like once you like actually get into it and yeah, experience it, yeah, you just get comfortable after a while. And it's just, I guess just, that just is a lifestyle. Because yeah. you can take that anywhere. Like you can go, like doing this. This is yeah. something that I never thought I would be doing, but here I am. Yeah. What is, that's an excellent point, actually. So you, you guys are going to be, I mean, you're all still so young. I felt like a granny. The but um, your learning skills now that you could potentially apply at any juncture in your career because they're all very valuable transferable skills um, what would you each say has been one thing that you've learned that you feel that you will carry with you as you go through life and as you progress in your careers because I know that you all will progress and there's a lot of it's a lot of talent and potential in just one bin. But what what are the things that you think you've yeah. learned that would really you know you would take with you? I would uh, say the uncomfortable being wait comfortable being uncomfortable. For sure. That's what I would say for mine. Yeah, Michael and Dan help us a lot. Like um, for sure, um, Michael a lot. Like the jobs in here, you might feel like it's terrible, but like afterwards, if you really look back on it, it wasn't as bad. See, that's that's another so, like, thing. Things in here, like the stuff we do throughout our day, like even translate to like outside of here, like things I didn't like doing outside of here sure. are so easy to me now because like there's really nothing to complain about. I mean, you just have to really be like thankful and just, yeah, just be thankful. Yeah. I would say, 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 I would say
um, just the growth mindset. It's all in the mind. It's everything's an odd game, I guess. Um, yeah, you can always learn something. I would say my biggest thing is probably just meeting people, making connections. Like, um, before I started, I wasn't, like, one to go up and talk to people out of nowhere or, like, spark up a conversation. I just wasn't, well, yeah, like, I wasn't comfortable doing that. But I've learned through the business and with Mike and Dan a lot that that's the biggest thing in business is making connections, having a good relationship with people. So I would definitely say like, that's something I'm always going to have now, which is good. Do you guys think you've grown in confidence since oh, yeah. you've been working there? Yeah, for sure. All of us have, for sure. We can see it. It's cool because like, we hold each other like accountable a lot. So like if one of us is slacking, we get on each other. But we also can see like the growth in a lot of us. Like um, a lot, Everyone here has grown so much. Like, Isaiah has grown a lot, for sure. Uh, we all knew each other for, like, we were all friends before we started working here, so just seeing everyone grow together is, like, amazing. That's an interesting point, actually, because I know you're also, for those of uh, you that don't know, we're in Columbia, PA, yep. and you're all local Hometown. boys. Hometown. I say, I say boys, local men. And um, yeah. I wonder what you feel the importance of having a yard like this, which is family-run with such a tight-knit group of staff, colleagues, yeah. how do you feel that sense of community comes through in the work that you do here? Because, you know, you I know that you do, you have a lot of industrial accounts, but a lot of the people that bring in material to you guys, we've seen it today, that, yeah. you know, they're members of the public, that, and you said that you have regulars that come in and drop yeah, off yeah. your, so it's a hugely important part of the community. That has to feel good, right? That feels amazing, especially for, like, so for me, I told you I went to like a private school from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And so like the only thing I know is being in a, like a family setting. Like at, a, at my school, everyone knows everyone. Sure. Um, and that's how it's been my whole life. And I kind of been lucky to find a job that's the same way. So I like that a lot. It's a blessing for sure. And it's nice, like how you said, the people coming off the street, like there's people who do this to like feed their family. So for them to have a place like in the town they live at that they can come every day and get rid of their stuff is just, and on the, I suppose on the flip side of that, how do you guys feel? Because you guys have been on the road. I very much yeah. enjoy sitting back and finding out where you are this week. Um, you've been all over the place. How do you feel that you're able to communicate when you get to these bigger conferences or bigger meetings? You know, even though you're all very like homely and close knit yeah. here, do you feel that that are you able to just go and? and do your thing. Yeah, I feel like the, the social media presence, that's like... Yeah, that definitely helps. People... Talks people talks and TikToks and... Yeah, people see us content. and they, they kind of feel like they already know us because of yeah. the stuff that we put online. Like, this reaches a lot of, like, scrap industry people just because that's what we are. So, yeah. No, it's fantastic in terms of engagement. I very much enjoy all the TikToks, I must say. One thing I've always wanted to know, who decides what content you're going to be putting out and who's filming the tip like who's the, who's the brains behind the operation i had a feeling so lately i have been doing all the tiktoks and editing the dumpster talks uh Carrie, he was the original honorable mention to yes, Carrie. Yes. we miss you Shout out Jerry. Jerry. where are you but uh yeah he, he started it and then he just kind of taught me what i know now and i'm just trying to but over along. Yeah. Do you have like a, is it just a case of, because they're very well put together, I must say, that the soundtracks are always spot on, they're very fun to watch, I like them a lot. 
How do you decide what you're going to film? Do you have like a roster, or is it just whatever, oh. like whatever the big job of the day is? Like, oh, I got some ideas, I guess, for my vibe. And I have a note sheet in my phone. I just try to plan them out a couple of days ahead. Um, yeah, sometimes it's on the fly. Sometimes it's. It could just be like random ideas, but yeah. like sometimes Dan is a little slow, he'll take two of us. Like me and Gil last week, we didn't have anything to do for a little bit, so he just told us to go film a video quick. So we um, did an industrial dumpster video. So it's basically just whatever we really think of at the time. We try to yeah. make it like pertain to something that's going on at the time. Sure. So it's like nice and organic. Yeah. That's the cool thing about it, it can be whatever, whatever we want to whatever we want to film really. I think it's really interesting that you guys give a snapshot and anyone that's familiar with TikTok will know that it really is a snapshot. It's no more like on average I think it's about 30 seconds yeah. or so yeah. of what you guys are doing at any one time. How important do you think the strategy of social media and moving to different social media platforms and being active on those platforms is for your marketing and for your outreach? Because Typically, LinkedIn has been the social media for businesses, and there's nothing wrong with that. But things are moving into, yeah. a, you know, into other areas. You've got obviously YouTube, TikTok. Do you think it's, you know, for an industry that's very traditional and it is sort of can be quite archaic in a certain way? How important do you think it is to engage with the, the newest, the most exciting forms of social media? That goes back to like the growth mindset thing. So like nowadays, like ten years ago, you could have really laughed at people making videos. Like why, why does that matter? But now everything's like social media. So um, it even helps getting in front of young people's eyes. So, so maybe they want to go into this industry instead of um, think, feeling like they yeah, have to. Yeah, I think it's coming, coming to it, like the time, the late, the world we live in now is everything's online. So if you're not really like putting yourself out there, or your team and business. Social media is also free, so like, why would you not yeah. take advantage of it? Like, it doesn't take us long really to make a cool little video to just do what we're all about. I mean, just, like, why not? Yeah, it's a great promotional tool. Yeah, for sure. And it's just a great way to like get people that don't know anything about this industry to like at least see something and have like something to like go for. Go off of it. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. Should we flip the Should we flip the table? Ask Amy some questions. <laughs> by flip all means. Switch? By all means. Yeah. I don't know. I guess we just like the main thing we want to know is kind of how did you like what's your story kind of? We know you're from England and yes. and I think you, you mentioned I think two blocks away from did you say two blocks down from where the from Windsor Castle? Yeah. So I grew up in and around not in the castle itself obviously, but I grew up in. Um, a village just next door to Windsor, uh, so I'd always been surrounded by, you know, the royal family, obviously. God rest her royal majesty. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, and now here I am in Columbia, PA. So you know, came a long way. The, yeah, strange things, strange and wonderful things can happen in life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I've come a long way from Windsor. Yeah. How do you? How's like your journey to? I guess after like university, you guys call it university. Yeah, so we then, do call it. I, I'm always confused by the because you guys call it college in but you do have you have universities and colleges, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So university for us is what you after sixth form college or what would be the last two years of high school for you. 
we go to university for like three, four, five years or what have you. Cool. Whereas college is like just at the end of school. Yeah. So between like 16 and 18. But now I went to university in a place called Bath, which is very lovely. Um, I think we covered that last time. And then I worked um, for some banks and then I just decided to follow my love of commodities to fast markets. Yeah. Which is What's the coolest thing you've seen in MPA? I'm probably, oh, I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff everywhere, but I think my, fa my favourite and coolest thing that I've done or seen so far was Ohio Piles State Park. I went white water rafting. Oh, nice. And um, it was it was very good fun. And then it's just a, like a culture shop. We were white water rafting, some friends and I, um, and my fiance, and then we turned around a bend and there was a, just a, a beach full of Mennonite people that were also um, whitewater rafting and they were, and it's just a site that I would never have seen at home and then of course yeah. I have to make the connection that of course I'm in Pennsylvania and you know it's just a, you know, sometimes for us we watch things on the telly like documentaries and things and then yeah. you actually see it in real life and you're like wow like this you know fascinating fascinating yeah. it's cool talking to you about the different like just all the, there's so many differences between here and then your home, like your home in England. So, yeah, like you were saying last night, like, um, like the only, well, we drove home in Mike's truck from the Oyster Roast, and you were saying, like, no one has a truck just to drive around. No, not at all. Um, they, I mean, they, they do exist, but not really as, not really as, they're more commercial vehicles. Yeah. They're, if you're a builder or, um, or you're working in construction, then you would have a truck, or more, more likely a transit van. Um, whereas I know here people love their trucks. I'm a truck convert, like I think yeah. they're great. And I don't think I could go from sitting in a truck to going, I don't think I could go Down back to car. like a small car. Yeah. Or sit, I mean, I say go back to, I'll just get chauffeured everywhere because I don't yeah. drive. Um, I've outed myself publicly there. Um, but I, th I mean, I, I can see why people like them, but we just don't have them. My yeah. other half was like, where are all the trucks? And I was like, I don't know, they're in America, they're not here. Yeah. <laughs> also, the roads at home are tiny, so um, there wouldn't be as much space for them as there, yeah. as there is there. But I'm a convert, there's lots of cool stuff. 
you were saying like you need to get a you need to find a beater car to learn on. Yeah. Go goes into like Honda. She need to get her a Honda Civic. Do you know what something. I'm gonna do? I'm gonna buy. We will call it like an old banger, which is like something that's really at the on its last legs, and you're giving it its last hurrah. What I'll do is I'll buy one. I'll learn to drive. And then when I've had enough, I'll bring it to the yard and you guys can pull it apart. All right. <laughs> be my gift to you. You can have my CRV. <laughs> we need to teach her. Can I have it? We need to give her a le- give her a lesson in the in the yard truck. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I think Aileen was talking about that yesterday. So yeah. if you, if nobody sees me again, it's because I've driven into something and imploded. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to drive the yard truck. Oh, well, I hear the clutch is gone, so oh, yeah, there's yeah. No it could, could be dangerous. I'd be better off in like a Flintstone car where I could oh, just run go. along the bottom. <laughs> Probably oh, be yeah. safer for me and the people, the pedestrians walking by. Yeah, there's a lot of different things here. I'm trying getting my head around peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's what I just had for lunch. That was my lunch today. Was that your lunch? Yeah. I think I did see it. Well, we would call jelly jam. Jam, yeah. Um, I'm trying to get my head around those. I did eat, my friend Chad made me one at the rafting trip. He bought a bag of, so I've, I have eaten one. I can't say that I was too taken with it. But no. Dan has been showing us uh, oh, no. um, the key to saving is packing instead of buying lunch every day. So um, Dan showed us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but instead of the jelly, he cuts grapes in half. Oh, he did, he mentioned peanut this earlier. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, they're, actually, they're actually really good. Um, I made one for Alex at the beginning of the week in there. The jam's the same thing as grapes, it's just smashed up. Well, I think, because uh, you guys have grape jelly, don't you? Mm. See, we yeah. don't really have yeah. that, or it's not as popular. Mm. At least I've never really had much jelly? of it. Well, we, we, I'd have like strawberry jam, yeah. I don't know, if, if at all. Or marmalade, do you so like yeah, marmalade? marmalade. <laughs> marmalade. But I always say, you know, you should reserve judgment on these things until you've tried them. And as you Try all know, nothing is not diplomatic. So I will not make, I won't comment on some, um, firstly it's awfully bad manners to comment on somebody's food anyway. So I wouldn't comment on any of these things until I've tried them. So I can add peanut butter and grape sandwiches to my list. Yeah, it's pretty good. So um, I guess what well, you were saying, this is the third scrapyard you've been to, right? Yes. So what do you what do you think of the? We gave you a little tour. What do you think of the place? It's very well maintained. Very, very well maintained. It's clear what everything is. Mm. Everything is. I feel like you could happily skip through here with you know, without any, you know, without any issues. It's it's very nice. Yeah. Very nice. It doesn't hurt that I've brought the sun with me. That was another little there you gift go. for you, you brought guys. brought the sunshine. But there no, it's, it's incredibly, you've got, fancy, like, very well organized. Lots of lovely inventory. Yeah. We shouldn't say that, should I? There's no inventory. Amy got to the bin. <laughs> I know, I can't believe got it. It finally bin. happened. Well, I'm a woman of my word. I said I would come to the bin. And yeah. Yeah. Here you I made am. it happen. I've made it. No, thank you guys for having me. How do you, um, how do you start your... Like your um, you said you do the fast money. Um, how do you start like your sheets and stuff like that? Uh, oh, what you mean? How do the, how do we start the prices? Yeah. So it will depending on what day it is. So we have a roster of a uh, we have lots of prices on a monthly basis. We've got all of our domestic prices, and then weekly do the docks, shred feed, export indices. So obviously, in order to get those prices out to you, we have to take all of the data from the market and spin it and spit out a price. They do vary depending on what type of price it is. So all of our domestic prices prices are assessments. 
And that really just involves canvassing the participants in that market, so the buyers, the sellers, the dealers, because you know we operate on a consumer buying um, price, which is the price mills buy material at delivered to the mill. A dealer selling price would be uh, on an FOB basis, so free on board. So we take those things into consideration. We talk to the market, we get their tonnages, their sales, their, you know, and then we have to use judgment on the basis of who's selling how much and where it's going um, to come to an equitable price for that market. Um, for indices, it's slightly different because we have an index that calculates the prices into, for our export indices, for example, we have HMS and shred prices off of the East Coast and an HMS price off of the West Coast, which tracks deep sea cargo sales um, going to typically Turkey from the East Coast, or not exclusively, um, a lot of sales from Asia from the West Coast. So we take the sales that we're able to uncover in the market, um, we assess the price of the grade within the cargo, the tonnage. So our minimum, if we're unable to ascertain the exact tonnage, our minimum would be 5,000. And then we would put the, that data into the index and then it would, and because our prices are CFR, which is inclusive of cost and freight, and when we receive them, we'd net back the freight, which would give us an FOB figure, which is free on board. And then that price will be the price that we put out into the market. So. Typically, when when do you guys like start like that process? It can de it totally depends. So for the export index, for example, um, the we receive um, deals all the time, and we have to confirm them on the buy or the sell or both sides of the deal, the transaction. Um, the window opens, so that's published on a Wednesday. The window opens as soon as the previous index closes. So a deal can't be any older than a week. Um, but after 10 a.m. on the preceding Wednesday when the index closes, every deal that comes in between then and the subsequent Wednesday will be taken into account provided that the grades um, and the nature of the sale fit our methodology. So that, but it, it does vary. So we would, those, those cargo sales are ongoing, they're happening all the time. So we are, that's an evolving process. We're constantly taking in that information. So is there a lot, like, a lot of frustration like when you're doing that? Oh, there can be, definitely. It, 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 de it depends on the difference in the market. I'm obsessed with chasing cargoes. I'm very interested in uncovering those sales. I'm fascinated by export. Um, but I'm fascinated by domestic, but that works in a completely different way. So the market breaks for the ferrous trade every month, t typically. There, well, until recently, it was a, a, a mill in the Midwest that would always come out with their offers and all of them, you know, people would then come out and follow suit depending on whether, you know, some, but now it, it, the waters are murky a little bit. We've got other mills that are coming out at the same time or they're leapfrogging each other. So really that process starts as soon as we get the nod that Midwest mills have come out with their offers. And then it's our responsibility to close those markets by the 10th of each month so we can settle our Midwest indices and get those prices out because obviously a lot you know every we're the benchmark for ferrous scrap so people need those prices in a timely manner but what do yeah. you do we're, we're on looking at our eighth down month now and when the markets are, are dropping people are slower out of the gate when the market's hot and prices are going up people want to go quickly because you know the longer they leave their negotiations the higher the prices will 
will ostensibly get. So that presents a unique challenge. It's all done on, I mean, we have a methodology, but a lot of it's done on cue because we, you know, we, we're only as strong as the information that we receive and we have to be alert and mindful. But it's, it's, never, it's a never ending process, really. It's like, yeah. it's my version of torching. It's never done. Yeah, it's There's always enough. something going on. I hope that was a really cool, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, I think that's why, like, um, like Dan always makes the jokes, like, when we're in these rooms and stuff, everyone flocks towards you, but that's because you, I guess you have to talk to a lot of the scrap people because yeah. it's important well, to your to your job. It's lovely that you say because I do think there is an element of people that do flock towards me because I do have to talk to a lot of people, but there's a number that run away as yeah, well. They so. don't, sometimes they don't like, some, like the numbers you come up with, no, I guess. No, and it happens, and... There are some times that, you know, we're not infallible. Sometimes information comes in later um, and, it, and it's market changing. And, we, and, you know, if information comes in that would alter a price and it's, it's legitimate and a valid reason for us to change our mind on a decision, particularly in the domestic market, that happens. Um, sometimes there, you know, there are times when people disagree with our, our figures um, for other reasons. Um, maybe the market didn't go their way this month or you know it, it does happen but we're we're very mindful that we're kind of we're at the behest of that we're like we're trying to serve the market yeah. definitely there's nothing done at our end in bad faith or with a lack of integrity and that, I, I flatter that we know what we're doing but there are many people out there that I'm sure would disagree. Don't but that's so. the, the day is uneasy as the head that wears the crown or what have you. Like, we're the benchmark, so we know our prices matter and we get the flack accordingly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But we do try, <laughs> we do try very hard, I would say. We're never really switched off. It gives us good insight, like, to, to hear you talk about this stuff because, like, we're always so busy in, like, the processing. We don't get to think, mm -hmm. like, think about the how the pricing has come up with as much, so yeah. Well, I suppose, and I think that's a really interesting point, actually, Alex, is that sometimes I don't think people are fully aware of the, of the process, yeah. which can be, and you know, I'll tell anyone, as you know, I could talk the hind leg off a donkey. I'll happily explain the process to anyone until I'm <laughs> blue in the face, you know, I'm always at the other end of the phone for people who want to hear it. But sometimes I don't think that people the thing that I get the most that drives me bananas is people that are saying, I, I'm, you know, I'm tied to your index. Well, actually, we only have a handful of indices in the ferris scrap market. The monthly prices are assessments mm -hmm. for the most part. And from that, we publish um, our Midwest indices for shred, bushelling and HMS, which are obviously hugely um, important prices. But that only covers people that are tying themselves to the to the Midwest index. There are other other prices that people are available to use, but I'll always be there to, to try and explain it to people if they want to listen. Yeah. But, it, it, but I do sometimes think there is a bit of a disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we'll be at, uh, we're having our conference in January in Dallas, so anyone that's of a mind to talk about it can, can come and see us there. All right, sounds good.
we have any more questions for Amy? Or do you have any more questions for us? Anything you want to say? Well, only I just want to know who's taking me out for a beer this evening. And oh, um, I'm the only one of age. I'm, <laughs> I was going to say, a very happy belated birthday to thank our you, lovely Alex, you. who's now 21 years young. And yep. you're, so we've got the babies and boss the baby. boss baby, because you're the first one over the Since line to 21. So happy birthday. Feels thank next. you very much. Next. Yep, December, December 12th, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh my goodness, I need to get a list um, so I can send you all birthday cards and then all I know right. who to send a beer to. There you go. Oh yeah, send me all the beers. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well That's we want to awesome. thank you very much for coming in, Amy. No, thank you for having me. It's We're a happy pleasure as always. Have you in the bin. I know, yeah. and what a beautiful bin it is. So bin thank talks. you guys for having me. Well, you can, for the next one, you can rename it back to Dumpster Talk. Yeah. Just for today, thank you for letting me. The yeah. bin takeover of 2022. Yes, Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for watching. We'll be back with more.